Hello, and welcome back to It's Not You, It's the System, a podcast for getting internalized capitalism and other forms of oppression out of the way so that you can make the impact you're here for. I'm Lauren. I'm an anti-capitalist coach and communication strategist who helps grassroots campaigns, non-traditional entrepreneurs, and other community leaders navigate their inner work, relationship skills, and external marketing and comms strategy. I'm so glad that you're here, and I hope that your holidays, Yule, winter so far, whatever you want to call it, has been cozy and restful. Sitting here on the verge of 2023, I have so much to share with you since our last episode. Perhaps you noticed was definitely more than a week ago for a weekly podcast that I set out to do a couple of months ago. And part of what I want to share is what's been up with the podcast. And the short answer is a lot. There have been some really big and unexpected shifts happening in my business and my life over the course of December. I have a new consulting role with a local campaign and possibly another one. And this has really dramatically shifted my availability and energy in a major way. And that's part of why I'm moving the podcast to bi-weekly from here on out, so you can expect that going forward. And before I share more on the campaign and the theme of today's episode, which is about what got us here won't get us there, I do want to let you know that I have space for one or maybe, maybe two more clients for January and February if you are looking for some support with your marketing and communication strategy from an anti-capitalist lens and a strategy that also yields results, whatever your goals are. I'm really here to get the default thinking of capitalism out of your marketing and comms plan and make it so much easier to break through the noise and move toward your goals, whether that's for your business, your campaign, your organization, whatever it is that you are up to and trying to create. And I've gone through my marketing comms consulting process several times over the years in different formats with a lot of solopreneurs, nonprofits, larger organizations, and political campaigns. I can confidently say I no longer have any doubts. I don't question this when I say that if you and I are a fit for working together and you are down for the process, which we will figure out on a discovery call, you will get results. Whether that's growing the business and making more money, raising more money, or making or raising the same amount of money but doing less work, getting really, really clear on what it is that you do and who you do it for rather than these really general, well, I'm this type of coach or this type of designer and I kind of work with these people. Having that clarity for yourself first is key and makes everything so much simpler. (laughs) Let me tell you from experience. Other goals might be communicating with your audience from your own authentic voice. One of my favorite things is coaching and consulting for people on finding the words that mean something to them and that actually come from them. Because if it resonates with you, it's going to resonate with the right people who you want to work with or collaborate with in some way. And ultimately, this is all about reclaiming your precious and limited time and energy. I'm not here to give anybody more work. So if we do end up working together, This all happens over a series of four 90-minute sessions where we untangle all of these big questions and challenges that you're having with your marketing and comms strategy, whether that's revenue goals, 
to what your brand really is, pricing, offers, even your pitches and sales process. And together, we use that clarity to start crafting your unique marketing plan and figure out what systems you need to get you where you want to go, but without burning yourself out and making it way more work for you. So this is the time to get started if you'd like to work together before April, because with this new campaign gig, potentially gigs plural, I'm not going to really be available (laughs) for many more than one or two new marketing comms clients until April, potentially even later if there is a runoff election, which will happen over May and June. So this is not false urgency. I really mean that if you want to work together before April, this is a great time. So you can book a free discovery call at the link in the show notes and go from there. We'll basically talk through what you need, how I can help, and what's going to work for your budget. So back to what's been going on with the podcast and going on with me. This bi-weekly schedule is happening for a few reasons. First, just like the title of this episode, what got me here isn't going to get me there. There being a sustained level of thriving in all ways that I really didn't believe was possible for me when I was younger. More on that shortly. But as I mentioned, I've taken on some work around the local elections in Denver. Election day is April 4th, so this is a short sprint of intense work. And I'm anticipating this getting even busier, if that's possible. And while a past me would have dealt with this by overworking, overgiving, overextending myself, I'm not physically, mentally, emotionally able or willing to do that anymore. That pattern of operating got me, it, it, it got me to a lot of my goals in the past and also resulted in some pretty bad outcomes in terms of my well-being. It led to some very unhealthy, abusive relationships, both personally and at work. It led to a lot of self-medicating and being exhausted and resentful and sad and traumatized a lot of the time. And I now know how to do things differently. If I want to sustain my work in the political space, which I'm feeling more and more called to do, strangely, after a long break, I have to operate differently and I know how to now. And when I say I've taken a long break, I guess I've been doing politics adjacent work for the last several years. But the last time I had an official campaign team role or even consulting role aside from coaching and high level stuff with the candidates themselves was at this point eight years ago. Yeah, eight years ago. That's a long time. And it was a really tough experience. That is a story I will tell at some point on this podcast. But aside from the context being very different, meaning I'm very much aligned with the candidates I'm collaborating with, both officially and unofficially, and it's a lot of personalities who are lovely as opposed to abusive, (laughs) like my last experience. And it's a totally different city, totally different voter base. All these things are making it better, but also I'm different. You know, I'm older and wiser this time around. I know what I need personally and professionally in order to be sustained in this work, in this space. And thinking through this has led me to thinking about what I learned in 2022 overall. And 
even though what I'm going to share today is mostly related to how I operate in the work that I do and how I get paid to do different things, it also shows up in my personal life, of course, too. Just like your own reflections probably show up in both ways for you as well. So yeah, the overall biggest lesson is what got me here won't get me there. I've already shared where there is for me, which is this sustained level of thriving. But in terms of here, all those old ways of operating where they've gotten me is that I can confidently say I have accomplished a lot. I look really good on paper (laughs) and it's all legit. I've also built a business completely based around my values, my interests, what I'm really good at, something I never thought when I was in my 20s wearing J. Crew on Capitol Hill, self-medicating every night because it was so stressful. I never thought I would be able to operate the way that I do now in my business and have all of this freedom, even though it can be hard in its own way. I also have a really healthy and loving partnership. I have a very happy life in many ways. Financial stability is emerging in many ways, too, after some tough years that followed after leaving the abusive relationship that I described a few episodes ago, and also getting sober. That is a process that will really shake up your life no matter how high your rock bottom is. I also feel very grateful and recognize that a lot of both the healthy and not so healthy ways I have operated up until this point have given me so many opportunities to use my expertise and talents and interests to further the political and policy agenda that those of us on the left believe in. Things like getting people housed and fed on a very basic level, protecting and expanding and funding, dear God, funding abortion access, dismantling white supremacy in all of our institutions and, of course, in ourselves, too, putting a stop to this super fucking scary rising domestic terrorism from white nationalists and other extremist groups on the right, getting campaigns publicly financed so we can finally get big corporate money out of politics, protecting and expanding democracy. Again, very basic things, but they're very much at risk. And also, not to get too dark, but preventing our human species extinction. We need a thriving planet in order for us to survive. And I could go on and on about why all of that means so much to me and why I feel so lucky to be in this position. But I'll just say again, if I want to continue doing this work and even grow my role in it, which is what I'm feeling pulled toward, I can't go back to those old habits and default ways of operating. Specifically, again, overworking, overgiving, undercharging, staying in work situations and really any relationships that aren't reciprocal. Not that everything has to be 50-50 at all times, but if things aren't ever balancing out in terms of what I'm giving energetically and emotionally to another person, if that's never coming back, then I'm not really sure what I'm doing, you know? And a big one for me, too, is... I need to stop trying to do anyone else's inner work, that self-reflection, self-development stuff for them, especially when they're not willing to even acknowledge that they need to. That is a recipe for getting very tired. And 
I know and acknowledge that I've made a lot of progress in undoing these patterns. I'm so much better about not falling into the trap of all of those that I was even a year ago, certainly five years ago, before I got into a really active trauma recovery and sobriety. But there are still, you might be able to relate to this, there are still whispers of those patterns that come up for me. And they probably will my whole life. I'm not under any illusion that I'm going to someday be healed and perfect. This is all a practice, and that's okay. I hope that you are kind to yourself about that too, whatever it is that you're trying to recover from or shift for yourself. And luckily, I have some amazing people in my life who are going to continue to be very loving mirrors for me and also support me as I keep going and learning. And I do find it helpful when I'm in the midst of a transition, as I am right now, career-wise, but also with this new year turning over, to do three different lists. One is keep doing, one is stop doing, one is start doing. I can't remember where I first learned this. I'm sure there's some consultant, like, business school book writing person or something who came up with this. But, yeah, I find these lists really helpful. So I'm going to just share a little bit of what I have. Because again, this goes with our theme of what got us here won't get us there. So keep doing. I need to keep belonging to myself. I have made some tough calls in the last few months to end collaborations. Some of those were tough calls because the relationship with the collaborator had, for whatever reason, not been... I guess, transparent on on their end or not, um, just not clear what was going on with them. In other situations, in particular, ending All the Fuck In, my other podcast with Tristan, it was just us being ready for new things, but it was really bittersweet to end it. Either way, it's definitely been a process to conclude all of these things. I'm reclaiming my energy and, again, belonging to myself first. Even though collaboration is amazing, I'm ready to focus mostly on what is most important to me. And yes, that includes collaborating like these teams that I have been connected to with political work, but I start with me first. I also need to keep listening to my body when something feels off. This shows up in a few ways. First is when I get tension headaches. It is I find a really good practice to stop and drink some water and take a nap rather than try to push through. This is a new fun symptom that I've had in the last couple of years. I also notice that I have to be more mindful about the food I'm eating, which is tricky as someone who has a history of some eating stuff, stuff around food and my relationship with my body and body image. But especially now that if anyone else who takes stimulants for ADHD might relate, I have this fun new side effect of fucking heartburn at this point. And I realize at 34, that's not so unusual, but I've never had an issue with that. So my beloved tomato sauces and even coffee have me let go of. I had one cup of coffee a couple days ago and really regretted it. And Also listening to my body when I feel off, when I'm talking to somebody, even if they're not saying any words that are wrong, listening to the energy that I feel. Because I used to think I was someone with social anxiety. And then I realized I don't feel socially anxious with a lot of people. There are some people I feel socially anxious with. 
though. And as I've gotten older and I've put some puzzle pieces together, I realized that I was picking up on their anxiety or their feeling of ungroundedness or feeling like they had to overshare or be impressive or whatever it was, filling space. And so now I listen to that and instead of telling myself that it's about me being some anxious, socially awkward person, I'm just like, no, for whatever reason, whatever's going on with this person and our connection, the third body that is created with our two energies, there's just something a little off and that's okay. Sometimes it's not a big deal. Sometimes it is a big deal. So I'm going to continue listening to that and not blaming myself. The other keep doing number two is charging and pricing based on what makes me feel whole and compensated. I learned this from Lena West, the amazing business coach. And it's something my friend Brooke, who I shout out all the time, reminds me of. But instead of pricing based on what I think someone's willing to pay me or doing online research about what other people charge for similar things, I'm not saying any of that is not relevant. Of course, if you are charging or proposing charging way, way more than what a going market rate for something is, that might get you some rejections. And I find that starting with the number that is going to make me feel like, yes, I am being compensated appropriately for this amount of work with these people in this situation and this level of energy I have to give, starting with that number and being open to negotiating has been really helpful. I'm certain that this is part of why my financial situation is less stressful than it was even a few months ago. Continuing to operate this way, again, starting with me, belonging to myself. What do I think about this pricing? Not what does this person I'm pitching think about it has really helped me move ahead in a more sustainable way when it comes to my finances. And it also just feels good to stand in my own power around money. It's Ironic because this is something I've talked to clients about forever, but doing it for myself is really tricky because, again, my tendency is overgive, overdo, overwork, and get underpaid. It just if I believe in someone, it's much easier to argue with myself and say, "No, oh, it's fine. I'll just do this extra couple hours of work for them. It's not a big deal." But over time, that really adds up when it's with a lot of different people. Number three. Pruning and composting what isn't a fit or feels purely extractive. This composting metaphor is one of my favorites because it just encompasses a philosophy I have that even things that don't work out, things that might be labeled as failure, are never wasted. It's part of that growth mindset everyone likes to talk about. It becomes nutrients for what I'm growing next. I just want to keep making room to plant new seeds and allow other right fit things to come through. I won't say much more about that, but pruning, 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 composting. That's the key for me, I think. So on my stop doing list, we've talked about some of this already, but trying to fix stuff for other people, being in that savior mode, it's never really worked out for me and usually doesn't work out for the other people. Something to think about if you perhaps have a similar pattern to me around that. And of course, overworking. I need to stop overworking, especially in order to achieve fixing stuff for other people. That is really their work. That is very challenging for me in spaces where I believe in a mission or know that the consequences of someone else not 
fully showing up in the way that everyone else is or the way I am or the way that the client is, if that's going to result in an outcome that impacts things on a collective level, a community level. And I have to keep continuing to trust that the right people are here at the right time and it will all get figured out. So those are my only two big stop doing things, but similar themes, as you can tell. My start doing list is getting more committed to my recovery, but specifically around recovering from narcissistic abuse. With everything that has come up in the last year, but especially the last six months with my family of origin and that system that I am part of, it is really clear to me that some of the patterns in my relationship with my ex that I described in a past episode were not totally unfamiliar. Go figure. And I knew this intellectually, but yeah, it, it's time to focus very specifically on that work because it is more nuanced than just trauma recovery. And I've been doing EMDR for a couple of years now. And while it's great and I love the therapist I've been working with, I also know that support from someone with expertise around narcissistic abuse and how that shapes people afterward and impacts them afterward in their relationships and also how it might be coming up in different flavors around childhood stuff is really important. I'm not calling any of my parents, all three of them, I'm not calling anybody a narcissist. And there were some extended family members who certainly have those traits. And in some ways, it did come up in my family of origin, not because anyone was a terrible person, not because anybody, I think, was intentionally trying to cause harm, but because there was undiagnosed mental illness and addiction going on. I was really primed with my own people-pleasing, codependent, whatever word you want to use, all of that stuff to make my way into a relationship with someone like my ex. So as new layers of that come to the surface, I really need some support. So number one on my start doing list is that I'm working with a new therapist starting in January. And it's scary. And part of me is like, God, when can I just be done? But like I said, I think this is probably going to be a lifelong healing, recovering thing. I don't think it's ever going to be 100% perfect. And that's cool. I'm, I'm cool with that. As long as my niece has a shot and other future generations in my family and otherwise, anybody I impact um, is able to avoid a lot of the pain I'm going through now, this is worth it. And for my future self too, and for my new family, for my husband and me and the many, many pets that we're going to raise together. I also am working with a new financial advisor who is fucking awesome, also named Lauren. I will ask her at some point if I can share her info in the show notes. I'm sure I could, but I want to check before I do. But get support with your money, folks. It is game changing. I have had a lot of support around money mindset and pricing and charging and things like that. But the actual nitty gritty retirement funds and 
how to set up my savings and make a budget work for my ADHD brain. That stuff, despite having a fucking degree in business economics, I struggle with it so much. But especially as my earning goes up and as time goes on and we get older, having support from a financial advisor to figure all of this stuff out and what we need is key and a huge relief. So a lot of this, start doing lists, is get help. And then lastly is have fun. It sounds very simple. And when I share our episodes with guests very soon, which I'm so excited for, you'll hear me end those conversations with what's been fun for, for them lately. I ask them what's been fun for them lately. And I started asking that because I realized for myself that is a very hard question to answer. Have you thought about what's fun for you lately? Because I hadn't until very recently. And the irony is that Kyle and I, after we got married, got not perfectly matching tattoos, but we got a set of tattoos where his says half of a saying, mine says the other half, and comes from his parents who always said, have fun and do your best to him and his siblings when they would be going out into the world to do whatever they were doing. And I heard similar versions of that from my parents. But the have fun part especially, I need a reminder of. And so on my left forearm, I'm looking at it right now, it says have fun in Kyle's handwriting. And then on him, it says do your best in my handwriting. Not that Kyle needs that reminder quite as much as I need the have fun reminder. But there are a lot of things that we've wanted to do even since we first got together a couple years ago that just haven't been possible because of finances and COVID and moving and life. So I want to travel. We haven't taken a honeymoon in any form. We really, really, really want a second dog. I think our landlord is going to go for it. And Bisa just really, really needs a friend. She is so happy at dog parks. And especially in the winter, it's not always easy to get her there. Even bundled up, it's kind of muddy and snowy sometimes. So we really want another dog. And I'm really ready to grow my, my own little family. And maybe I would like to have a little brother kitten or something like that for Fiona. I don't know. I don't know if our cat likes other cats, but I think Fiona would be really adorable with a little buddy like her too. I also just, I don't know, I'm trying to do other shit that a lot of people do who make fun of priority, like go ice skating and do things besides work at a coffee shop when we go into the mountains while Kyle skis. Like I could sit in the rental of whoever we're visiting or whatever we're doing there and sit by the fire and read or just do something besides work. I really like working, but I also don't want to be that person who continues to overwork. And all of this fun is only possible if I continue delegating stuff. So part of that is delegating things that aren't even mine to delegate, like other people's work, other people's responsibility for their own well-being and their own growth and healing in their own actual paid work tasks. And also, I have an incredible new virtual assistant, Kayla. She's one or two hours a week just supporting. I met her through the folks at Rise Collective, who I'm also doing a little bit of comms and writing and fundraising work with. And it's been really great working with her. She really understands systems and helps me troubleshoot stuff that just would take me a lot more time, frankly. So that is my 
keep doing, stop doing, start doing list for wrapping up 22, looking ahead at 2023. And I was going to share like a word of the year, but to be honest, that's starting to shift a little bit for me. I was going to have sovereignty as my word, especially with this theme of letting go of collaborations like the other podcast and another business partnership I had. But then I was Googling around because I'm like, I feel like that word might have some problematic implications. And I'm like, well, maybe it's self-sovereignty, but Googling that comes up with a lot of weird libertarian stuff that I don't want to be affiliated with around like being self-sovereign and not paying taxes and shit that's just not my thing and I think is pretty harmful. So all that is to say that I'm trying to find a way to express belonging to myself. And maybe that's just my phrase of the year, not a word, but that has to do with being more self-contained and belonging to myself first, not getting sucked into other people's energy or stress, rejecting anyone's projections on me, not putting myself in spaces that are just not working for me, like Instagram. Kind of like with the pricing thing I just shared, starting with my own intuition and my own needs first. Also recognizing that as much as I belong to myself, I'm also part of communities. I'm part of collectives where I am accountable for my different roles and responsibilities within them. So if anyone's taking away from this that Lauren's going to stop paying taxes, that's not what I'm saying. But it's really about integrating all of these things that I learned in 2022 and actually putting them into practice. I have gathered so much information. I've done a lot of recovery work, a lot of reflection and really the only thing left to do at this point is just start operating differently and find the support that I need in order to do that on whatever topic we're talking about. And I wanted to close with a Maya Angelou quote that a lot of people became familiar with because Brene Brown used it in a book a few years ago around belonging. I want to say her book was Braving the Wilderness or something like that. And I have mixed feelings about Brene Brown. Sometimes I love her. Sometimes she really annoys me. It just kind of depends on the day. But her work is great. And of course, Maya Angelou is, was a genius. And a lot of her books were, for me, big turning points as a young person. Reading I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings in high school was the first time I had ever read and really recognized any part of myself in the description of childhood sexual assault and what it feels like afterward and started breaking open my understanding around racism too, especially as a kid in a very white, very wealthy conservative suburb. So anyway, the quote that you may have heard before is about belonging. And Maya says, you are only free when you realize you belong no place. You belong every place, no place at all. The price is high. The reward is great. So just remember, friends, you belong to yourself first. Really, you only belong to yourself. Your body is yours. Your spirit is yours. Your energy, your choices, your time, your recovery, those are all yours first. And yes, a lot of systems are at work on us to try to take that away. And by belonging to each other, too, we can keep each other safe, keep each other free. We can all get free. So I'm going to leave it there. Last quick reminder about if you want marketing comm support with an anti-capitalist flavor, hit me up. Let's schedule a discovery call and get you started because otherwise 
won't be free until April at the earliest. I also have a lot of episodes coming up with some brilliant guests. I have them in the can, as they say in the podcasting biz. Very, very excited to share those. And with our new bi-weekly schedule, I will be back in two weeks. So please take good care in the meantime. And I hope you have a very happy new year.